You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. So first of all, want to welcome Cafe Church watching in on the screen. Hope your worship went well with your local worship team downstairs. And uh, welcome in to join us here up in the centre. I want to talk today, sorry, I'm doubling up today with Mike away and a few others away on holidays. I want to speak today on part two of a message I spoke about two weeks ago, and I called it My Best Side. And we were looking at how for many people, including famous Irish heroes, they would only allow a photograph to be taken from one side because of a defect or something they didn't like on the other side of their face. And so we were taking this thing in the culture and watching and studying a guy called Absalom two weeks ago, who was a famous prince in ancient Israel, and he looked fantastic on the outside, but was quite rotten on the inside. And so we were examining how God has called all who love him, all who follow him, to focus on the inner person. It's not that we neglect the outside, but the number one is who we are on the inside. So I want to take a look at a whole other aspect of this. And so this is part two. And I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter 25 and 26. And it's quite a long section, so I've just taken out the relevant verses. In other words, I've abridged it. And I love the book of Acts. Because it's basically the history of what happened to Christians like you 2,000 years ago. What was going on in their lives? And how did other people who weren't Christians react to them? And so I'm going to look at Acts 25 and 26. And I pray, oh God, that you would nourish us and feed us with your eternal word. It is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Help all of us as we move forward on our faith journey. And I pray that we would learn both in mind and in heart and soul today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me introduce you, just so none of us are losing the plot here. There are four people mentioned in This short piece of scripture I'm going to be looking at, three speak, one is silent, though the silent person probably has the most power over the situation in a human perspective. We're going to look at a court case that was happening 2,000 years ago, and the prisoner, the guy in chains, is Paul. He was a great Christian leader in the early Christian church. And he was a prisoner of faith. Today we call them prisoners of conscience. He was an older man. And the only reason he was arrested was because of his faith. Praise God in Ireland, nobody will arrest you because of your faith. Honestly, don't ever underestimate that. But there are many nations in the world today. If you say you're a Christian and you believe in the God of the Bible, you are breaking the law. So we should be blessed and appreciative of the fact that we're not living in that environment. But Paul, back in the New Testament, he was. So he's in jail and he's the prisoner in the dock, as it were. Second person is a guy called Festus. He was a tough guy. 
and he was the ruler of the province. This all took place on the Mediterranean coast, beautiful area in northern Israel today called Caesarea. And Festus was the ruler of the province. But remember, politically, this was the Roman Empire. And the emperor in Rome controlled most of the known world. Not Ireland, but most of the known world. But there were sub-kings and rulers. They had different titles. And they controlled a province. But the big power was Rome. And Festus was the ruler of this province in northern Israel, roughly today, uh, facing the Mediterranean Sea. And he was a real tough guy. He didn't believe in diplomacy. He just said directly what he thought. We'll see him in one second. Third person is a guy called Agrippa. He came from the province next door. Festus was a ruler. This guy had the title of king. But he had the same power as Festus, just the next door province. And the next door province was Judea, where the city of Jerusalem was located. So he's visiting. And then the fourth person is a woman called Bernice. And she is Agrippa's sister. She says nothing. But as I said, in some ways she controls from behind the scenes. So these are the four people. And we're going to parachute in to a live court case, what was said, what wasn't said. And through all of this, we'll see that whatever's going on on the outside, what's going on in the inside is what really matters here. So Acts 25 and 26. Paul came to court before Festus the ruler. And then Festus decided to call for King Agrippa, the neighboring guy, to come and give his opinion. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived into the hall with great pomp and a big show, along with their army officers and their prominent politicians. Then Paul stood up. Sorry, I can't read the end of it. There's something wrong with the screen. Anyway, we'll keep going. Are we okay there, guys? Yeah. As Paul was talking, Festus shouted out with a loud voice, Paul, you're gone mad with all your learning. I'm speaking true and rational words, Paul replied. And I know King Agrippa is fully aware of all these events I've shared because none of this took place in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> Soon? You'll have me persuaded to become a Christian, Agrippa replied to Paul. And then he and Bernice got up and they left the hall. So may God bless his word to our souls. What's going on here? Well, I've explained that it's a court case. Let's just look at how Agrippa and Bernice made their entrance 
We're told that they arrived into the hall with great pomp and a big show. If you're learning English or if it's not your mother language, pomp is a word where um, you're all dressed up on the outside. You consider yourself very important. It has connotations of snobbery and you look down on others and it's all about the outside. So they arrive in with a great pomp and a big show. Remember they had all their army officers arrive in with them. All they were doing was giving an opinion of a court case. Now remember back then, there isn't the division that we have in Western democracies today, the division between the political system and the judiciary system. In other words, politicians and judges are separate today. But back then, as we looked in Absalom's time, the rulers, the politicians, were also the judges. And so they just were coming in to give an opinion, but they made sure everyone saw their best side. They were dressed up to the hilt. They came in in procession. They had their politicians. They had their army officers, no doubt all dressed up. So these guys put on a great show. And sometimes you and I can put on a great show and maybe things aren't so good inside. Who, though, was this guy Agrippa and his sister Bernice? What was their family? When we read through the Bible, sometimes we don't get the full picture, and that's why it's important that as a Christian community, we come and we receive teaching and preaching so that we can understand God's word better. Well, this is who. Who was Herod Agrippa? His great-grandfather was the Herod who tried to kill the infant Jesus. His grandfather was the Herod who chopped off John the Baptist's head to keep his mistress happy. And his father was the Herod who killed the Apostle James. So this is the family that Agrippa and Bernice had come from. So they're coming in to hear this great man of God give a defense of his faith, but they come in with all the baggage, with all the family issues of the past. So when you and I read about this guy Agrippa and what he says, we have to understand his context. And that's the same with any human being. The more we know and understand somebody's context, the more we can sympathize with them, understand with them, reach out to them, get them. So this guy comes with a pretty horrific family. And maybe some of us here have come from families that weren't so great, but God is greater. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at what, what happens. We're told that Paul gave an account to the court about his faith journey. That's, verse two, that's 21 verses. It's too long to go into it, but you can read it up in Acts 25. And basically, he told the story of how he became a Christian. You know, the Bible says that you and I, if we believe, should be ready to give an account, to give a testimony in season and out of season. You really should be ready to explain, why do you follow Jesus? Remember, 99 people out of 100 in Cork don't follow him, really. And they, they will find it strange that you would follow him. So you should be ready. The Christian church in Cork is very like the Christian church in New Testament times in terms of numbers and the newness and the freshness of what God was doing. And so 
Paul is giving an account, and you can read it yourselves, but just have a think yourself also. Can you give an account of your faith, or is it all kind of confused in your head? Spend a little time. Ask a good Christian friend to help you so that you'll have that account if someone asks you. Anyway, Paul gives his account, and as he's coming towards the end, there is an interjection. There is someone who speaks up with a loud voice, tough guy, shoot from the hip, man's man, Festus, shouts out, Paul, you've gone mad with all your learning. In my experience, people who are resisting the gospel, and they know that God is calling them, will go one of two ways. One way they'll go is they will say, well, Christianity, faith, religion, they'll use all these terms, is for people who are weak, they're screwed up and they need a crutch in their lives. That's one way they'll go. In other words, what they're saying is, I'm not weak, I'm not broken, I don't need God. Or else they'll go the other way, like this guy Festus, and say, you know what? You're crazy. You've too much intelligence. So it's either you're too simple or you're too intelligent. People will always come up with an excuse to say no to Jesus. But we say yes. And Festus actually had a, if you look at history, he had a terrible ending. Mr. Tough Guy had a tough death. So all his grandstanding didn't do him any good. So he shouts across. Remember, he's the ruler. He could just say, off with your head like that. So he shouts out, is Paul intimidated? Oh, no, he is not. Because Paul says, I'm speaking true and rational words. And King Agrippa over here, he's fully aware of all the events I speak of. None of this took place in a corner. There was nothing hidden about what I was speaking about. So much of what Paul is talking about happened in Jerusalem. And Agrippa was the provincial king of Jerusalem. So it's a bit like in ancient Ireland, there was a king of Munster, Leinster, Ulster, Connacht, but the high king was in Tara, and all those kings were under the high king, the Ordre. In the same way, Agrippa was a king, but he was under the emperor in Rome. And so Paul is saying all of these events didn't take place in a corner. There was nothing hidden. Agrippa, you saw it. And actually, the Bible tells us a little earlier on that Agrippa was an expert. He, he was fascinated with all of these spiritual happenings. So he knew it. And Paul isn't intimidated by this man Festus. Brothers, sisters, we should always show respect to everyone. And Paul shows respect. If you read into it, he says, most excellent ruler Festus. He gives him the dignity of his office, but he is not intimidated by this man with earthly power. And he pushes back on uh, Festus's crazy argument, you're mad. Paul says, oh no, I'm speaking the truth here. And everything I say is totally rational. It's not some crazy emotional outburst. This is all rational. And you know what, Festus? Your peer, your buddy, your neighbor, the guy on the same level as you, he gets it. He knows it. He saw all of these events. Nothing crazy going on here, Festus. With respect, you're wrong. Festus was probably frightened 
with the power and the anointing as Paul was preaching. Because even though he was a small man, history tells us he didn't have a compelling voice. But when Paul spoke, there was an authority and a spiritual anointing. And so Festus is getting freaked. And then we come to the heart of the message this morning. I absolutely love what Paul says because he then turns from Festus and he looks to Agrippa and he says, do you believe in the prophets, King Agrippa? Ah, I know that you do. Suddenly, flip-flop. Suddenly, who's on trial? Because on the outside, my best side, Agrippa is the king and Paul is the prisoner in chains. But here we see the reality breaking through and that outward shell, is mask is torn down and suddenly Paul has the authority of eternity. Paul is not a natural king, but he is the son of the king of kings. Agrippa may be a natural king, but suddenly, flip-flop, Agrippa is on trial. As every man and woman you work with, every neighbor, every person in your family, everybody will go on trial one day. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. So when someone comes against you for your faith, or tells you you're mad, or tells you you're weak, they will have to answer to God. If you're born again, when Jesus Christ looks at you, he'll just see the blood. You're clean. You're covered. That's why it's so important that the people we love are born again. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And lots of people don't like talking about that today. And there is no such thing as purgatory. And if someone tells you there's an in-between place, there isn't. Amen. Bible knows nothing about purgatory. What did Paul mean by saying, do you believe in the prophets? Well, that means the Jewish faith. You see, Agrippa and his family weren't actually Jews. They had some Jewish blood, but they were basically what was known as Edomians, a different tribe. And when Paul said, do you believe in the prophets? He's talking about the likes of Isaiah and so on, who prophesied about Jesus. So if Agrippa believed in the prophets, it meant he was only one step away from coming to faith in Jesus. So Agrippa was very close to salvation in Jesus Christ. He was almost there to be born again. And I love when Paul goes, I know that you do. Something supernatural is going on here. And sometimes you'll be talking with someone with authority and power in your life. And you know what the Bible promises you? The Holy Spirit will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the confidence. The Holy Spirit will give you the authority to answer back. And it'll always be life-giving. And that's what was happening here. And Paul gets a supernatural discernment. Do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. So Agrippa must have felt his whole life pass before him. He must have sensed everyone was looking at him. And remember who is there. Who is this guy really concerned about? There is his peer, his buddy, his next door neighbor, Festus, who had just proclaimed, Paul, you're mad. 
So right next to him is Festus. And of course, all these guys want to kind of keep in together and they want to be accepted by one another. So his friend has already put an imposition on him. And what about the silent person at this gathering? What about Bernice, his sister? Well, we know from history that she actually rules the province through her brother. He never got married. And the Herodian or the line of Herods ended with him. And she actually ruled through him. She totally controlled her brother. Some historians strongly believe there was an incestuous relationship going on. Whether there was or there wasn't, she was controlling him. So into the situation where his buddy, his friend, says it's mad, and his sister was furiously, she was silent, but she was furious at Paul. What's he going to say? He actually confesses something. And he says, Paul, soon you'll have me persuaded to become a Christian. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what, Paul? I'm almost there. You're persuading me. I'm nearly there. And this terrifies him. Remember all his great-grandfather, grandfather, father. Remember his sister. Remember his buddy. Everybody is coming against him. And despite his screwed-up family, and despite his ignorant friend, and despite his weirdo controlling sister, he's that close. He is that close to becoming a Christian. When I was 14, myself and my buddies fancied ourselves that we were fully grown men. We had like two hairs growing in our face or whatever. And I can remember we would kind of strut around Nun's Walk over here in Balfihan where I grew up. And we'd strut around. And I remember one day some girl and her mother and neighbor were walking. We were saying, you need to make way for the men. <laughs> um, yeah, we were 14. And... Uh, so we're, we're strutting around, make way for the men. And uh, the, the girl kind of made way, but the mother said, she was a real cork when she said, what do you mean men? <laughs> and I remember I said, we're almost men. And she said the old cork saying, almost never made a man. Almost doesn't do it. You gotta reach the age. You gotta have the full beard. You gotta really be a man. You gotta act like a man before I respect you like a man. That's what it means. Almost never made a man. Almost never made a Christian. Who'll say amen? You gotta cross the line. You have to cross over. Because if you're worried about her or him or them, you know what? They're gonna be dead one day. And you and I will stand before the throne of Jesus Christ. And eternity, that's forever. Forever. So here, Agrippa, here's the real guy coming out. Remember all the pomp and ceremony? Remember the fine clothes and the army officers and the politicians? Forget all of that stuff. That's only my best side. That's only fake stuff. This is the real guy. He was an expert. He was fascinated with all that was going on. This guy was almost there. What did he do? Then Agrippa got up and left the hall with who? Bernice. 
She was ripping, according to historical things. He got up and he left. And he let the opportunity go. But Paul was correct. He did believe in the prophets. He was almost there and out of his own mouth he said, I almost am a Christian. I wonder how many of us here today are going to walk out the door and leave this hall and not connect with God. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never had that relationship, I pray and I plead with you. Don't be like King Agrippa. You want to read up about him in Wikipedia? He didn't end up very well. Honestly, he didn't. His life was a mess after that. And then he entered into eternity. But it's not just those of us who aren't Christians here today. For all of us who are Christians, you know what? You and I can be coerced by people as we move forward on our faith journey. Maybe it's family. Or maybe it's friends, but we can hold back and we can be stunted in our spiritual growth. And sometimes we need to be a bit like Paul. And even though in the short term there's a bit of pain, in the medium and long term there is only blessing and glory. And we need to have the courage and we need to remind ourselves what the New Testament says about you. If you are born again, he that is in you is greater than he who is in? Who's in the world? The evil one. He is the prince of the power of the air. That young guy that I saw down on his knees with the dog, who thinks he's free. That's, that's the evil one. His mind and his life is being destroyed. Satan is laughing at that young guy. He's laughing at him as his dignity and his mentality is being stolen. We need to remind ourselves, you are on the winning side. You are on the side of the King of Kings. You are sons and daughters of the High King of Heaven. Way higher than any Taoiseach or President or Prime Minister. You are on the winning side and we need to say, you know what? He that is in me is greater. So I will not be coerced by what some of my family. And honestly, family and friends are a blessing. Don't get me wrong. But there are times when even with our family and even with our friends, we've got to say, you know what? No. Do you know what I've been struggling with with some people in my wider family and friends? They take the name of Jesus in vain. We're, we're talking in a conversation and the next thing they'll say the word Jesus Christ as a swear word. And it's like a, a dagger in my heart. Because the name of Jesus is the name I worship. He's the one I love. And when people just take it like a swear word, they're rubbing it in the ground. And you know what? For a while I said nothing. And now, I'm not going to have this anymore. I'm going to stand up and say, in a respectful way, with the greatest of respect, would you mind, that's the name that, that I adore. That's the name that is precious to me. Please don't take that name in vain when I'm around. That's the kind of courage on a day-to-day -day basis. Should we always be underground? Are we the ones that are always ducking and weaving? Sometimes it's wise to be silent, absolutely. But we need to man up as well and woman up. Have a bit of courage. You know what? People will respect you. And people will see this is more than just some kind of fad. This is something that goes deep. And that is so attractional. 
to a lost world who are out of their minds half the time and whose dignity is being robbed. Would the worship band come up? We're going to sing an old song. Many of you mightn't even know it, but it's just quoting that scripture I quoted. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So I'm going to pray. If you've never given your life to Jesus, don't walk out the hall. And if I'm going to pray for all of us for courage that we can take a stand and be like Paul and not be obsessed with what we look like, but we serve the audience of one. And so we don't run out the hall and go, I'm going to keep on living underground. We have a bit of courage. So let's stand. Can we put the words on the screen, guys? He that is in us is greater than he. How many people know this song? Anyone know it? Hey, some of the oldies. Okay. So guys, if you know it, you're going to have to sing it out. If you don't know this song, that's fine. No one's looking. But honestly, the words are powerful. Let's use the song to touch our hearts. Let the truth of it touch your heart. Close your eyes if you don't know it as we sing. Or you can watch it on the screen. But then we're going to pray. Give us courage as Christians. That we're not obsessed with our good side. And for those who don't know Jesus, don't leave the hall without making your peace with God. Let's sing it. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he that is in. Sing it again. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than. Spirit lives in me. Christ the living one has overcome and we share in his victory. He that is in us. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He, he that is in us is greater than he that is in talking to a friend of mine he's a pastor in the north of Ireland and he started having this repetitive dream that he knew wasn't natural and the dream was he was walking down a corridor and he was leaving a prison and he could see the door at the end of the corridor and the question in his mind was who's going to be waiting for me when I leave this prison will my family and friends be there and he would wake up before he'd get through that door. And this went on for months. And recently he dreamt he went through the door. And Jesus Christ was waiting for him. And Jesus helped him over. And then his family and friends were there. How about you being a leader instead of being a follower? How about you leading your family and friends to Jesus? Amen. And having the courage to do that. So I'm going to pray the general prayer first that we would have courage. And then I'm going to pray for salvation for anyone who wants to make a call on that. How many people here want to pray, God, would you give me the courage like Paul? I need that anointing in my life. Simple. 
It's not complicated. No one's going to police you on it. But we're going to pray for a supernatural courage to come upon you. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to make your way up to the top. We're going to pray. That's how we do it here. We own our prayers. And by leaving our seat, we're making a public declaration. I need this in my life. Hallelujah. Let's just keep singing one verse of the chorus. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. All the powers. All the powers of death and hell and sin lie crushed beneath his feet. Jesus owns the name above all names, crowned with honor and majesty. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands as a sign that... Could you just move up further, guys? Let the others down the aisle squeeze up. What, what happens when you pray a prayer like this? You know what happens? You're telling God you're serious about this prayer. And maybe you're going to feel something right now, and maybe not. But what will happen is that when you're in a situation at work, in business, with the wider family, with neighbors, you'll sense something is different because you won't be hiding. You'll have a supernatural courage that's not natural. So we lift up our hands to receive. And as every hand is lifted up here, I pray now an anointing of God's courage over you and your life. Can you say, I receive it, Lord? At the sound of three, the count of three. One, two, three. As my brothers and sisters receive this, Lord, I pray this would make a real difference in their lives. Lord, change their emotions. Change their mindset. When they feel like ducking or hiding, I pray they would have the courage to speak words of life. I pray life into your soul. And I pray that God would deeply touch you and bless you for owning and wanting this in your life. Come Holy Spirit, we receive it now. Let's just all close our eyes on stage and off stage. Everyone in the hall, close your eyes please. Let's take down our hands for a moment. If there is anyone who has never had the courage to say, God, I don't want to do life without you anymore. I want you to be part of my life, part of my future. I'm not going to call you up, but I do want to know with every eye in the hall closed that this is your prayer. And if you put up your hand, God will see that. So would you like to put up your hand if that's you and then take it down again? I see your hand. Okay. Okay, I see your hand. Praise God. Just going to pray together, okay? I'm just going to pray, sorry. We pray now, Lord, that these three people who lifted up their hands, I pray in the name of Jesus that this living relationship become reality in their lives. I pray, oh God, that they wouldn't almost be a Christian, that they would be a Christian. And I pray now, Lord, that they would invite you into their lives. I pray they would pray and call out to you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, 
that this day, the 24th of June, in the year of our Lord 2018, would be the big change in their experience. Come Holy Spirit, don't let them sleep tonight. Let them have dreams about you, Lord. Oh God, change their future in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, will we give those guys a round of applause? Hallelujah. could just say one more thing I've had this vision in my head of someone ringing a doorbell and you're calling on someone and this is a big issue with you there is someone in the hall this morning and you need courage to reach out to someone that has been on your heart I don't know if it's a broken relationship or if it's a family member you haven't spoken to in a long time or a friend that you've drifted from. But I believe the Lord is saying, you need a touch from heaven, an anointing to reach out to someone. If you're willing to own that, would you lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. Okay, okay. All right, I respect you lifting your hands. Could I ask the other guys to go back to their seats and if you could come up just as our final prayer today. Sometimes we have spirit-led journeys where God shows us we got to go the extra mile. We got to reach out to someone. Can you come forward, guys, please? Maybe, Denise, you would just uh, help me. Just, just come together if you don't mind. Would you lift up your hands as well? So we pray now, Lord, for each and every one of our brothers and sisters that you would give them wisdom and courage and the ability and the time to go and knock on that door, to go and ring that doorbell, to go and reach out to that family member or friends that you have been putting on their hearts. And we pray now that Satan would not disturb your journey, amen? And we pray a courage and an anointing would come upon you. And even though wrong may have been done to you, I pray you would have the grace in your heart to forgive. And I pray God would give you wisdom in that conversation. May his anointing be upon you now. And may you win someone, win someone from this place of distance and silence. And may God's word break out through you. In Jesus' name and all the house said, Amen. Praise God. God bless you guys. You can go back to your seats. We've got just two minutes left. How about if you don't know this song, you try and sing along. And let it be a declaration for your future week ahead. That everywhere you go, God's Holy Spirit is in you. And he's far greater than anything in the world. Let's sing, praise God, one more he time. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he that is in Therefore, therefore I will sing and I will rejoice for his spirit lives in me. Christ the living one has overcome and we share in 
is in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he that is in all the powers. All the powers of death and hell and sin lie crushed beneath his feet. Jesus owns the name above in us is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Every one of you, honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for joining us to praise and worship God and consider his word. We've got coffee and tea upstairs in the atrium. Remember our new Connect desk. Hope to see you up there if you have to go. God bless your week ahead. Remember Tuesday also. The band are going to play us out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.